Hello, this is Edie. Before we get started, I wanted to make sure you knew first how much we appreciate you, and that in honor of Teacher Appreciation Week, right now at Heinemann.com, you can get 15% off and free shipping on all Heinemann professional books. This offer runs until May 11th. Head on over after the episode. Some restrictions apply. See the website for details. The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. Heinemann is a provider of resources written by real teachers for real classrooms. Heinemann values teachers as decision makers and students as curious learners. Discover the path to lifelong professional learning at Heinemann.com. Heinemann is dedicated to teachers. I'm Brett from Heinemann, and today on the Heinemann Podcast, we're turning things over to Heinemann author and editor Katie Woodray as she interviews Catherine Bomer about her career as a writer, educator, and about her forthcoming book, A Teacher's Guide to Time, Choice, and Response, part of the Classroom Essentials series. Catherine says the most important place for beginning writers is to start with what they know and what they believe. The rest, she says, is revision. Here now is Catherine Bomer and Katie Woodray. Catherine, it's so great to be with you and to talk to you about writing today. You know, you and I, uh, we go back a long way in this, in this work together, mm-hmm. which is why this is going to be so much fun. I was, I mean, I'm just thinking about the fact I first met you in back in the early 90s when we were both working uh, for Lucy Calkins uh, yes. in New York at the what was then just the writing project teachers college writing project yeah yeah not the reading and writing no. project just writing and I certainly know that that work was you know really foundational to all of the work I did after that and I, I bet that was true for you as well so I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that because you actually were associated with the project before I arrived mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. to work so do you want to just talk a little bit about that and and even even before that, like, how did you get started in this work of of studying the teaching of writing? Oh, okay. Well, that's where it began, the t- study of the teaching of writing, because I came to Teachers College, Columbia University to go. I, I thought I was going to get my um, master's degree in uh, and teach high school English. And so that I could write on the weekends mm. <laughs> because I was a writer first. Mm. Um, I, I had worked as a professional writer. I had written poems and essays that were published in small, obscure literary journals. Um, so when I lived in New York City, I thought, I know what, I'm going to go get my teaching degree because I've also always wanted to be a teacher, as probably you have since you were a little girl. And so I chose to go to Columbia University. And I, when I applied to the university, um, Lucy Calkins was in the room where we were all filling out our applications and being advised on our programs. And I didn't know who Lucy Calkins was at that point. Mm-hmm. I just was trying to get a degree and get out of uh, the business world where I was dying. And she came along and stood next to me and leaned down and said, what, what are you thinking you're going to study? And I, I told her my intentions. And she said, well, you need this class and this class and this class. And two of them were taught by her. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I, that was my first introduction to Lucy. And then when I entered her class, I've told the story before that we were reading The Art of Teaching Writing, um, one of her first books. And I remember being in my house in Brooklyn and reading that book and just feeling like, 
I can't believe that this is possible. I can't believe this. She's writing about my process. This is my process as a writer. This is the process that all my friends have as writers. And this woman is saying we can bring that process to the teaching of young children. And I just, you know, it's like now I joke and say the choir of angels was behind me. (laughs) Just say, you know, the light shone through the window right onto the page. And I said, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. And so, you know, being in Lucy's classes and meeting her and then she asked me to, if I would come work at the writing project as a writer in the schools. And I was terrified because I didn't know anything about elementary school kids and I didn't know anything about teaching, you know. And she said, no, but you know about writing. So go into the classrooms and share your knowledge of writing and then the rest will come. And that was the beginning. And I just got, you know, was completely enamored of of Lucy and all the people that worked at the project at that point. And that was 1988. Mm-hmm. So then when you came in the early 90s, I had been there for a few years. Mm-hmm. What do, What are your memories of the table? Like one of my oh. my fondest memories of the work was the table. The table. And uh, you and I were together around the table. And we were. Can you talk a little yes. bit about the table? The Is table. that true for you too? Is yes. It oh, yeah. I have plenty of stories about the table that I won't <laughs> share right now. Um, <laughs> But the table, so this was in old, our, our old offices as yeah. of the Reading and Writing Project and small offices. But there was this one central room where there was a giant harvest table, I guess mm-hmm. they call those, or an old library table. Mm-hmm. If you can picture that sort of antique wooden, thick wood and thick legs. And there were only probably, you know, when I first started, there were probably seven of us around that table. And then when you joined, I guess there were a few more, but it was still just a small group of people. Maybe 10. Maybe 10. And every Thursday we would join around that table, Thursday mornings, and we would be there exactly on time. And we would, because we were just so excited to be there. And around that table, we would talk about our practice, what we were discovering as we worked in the schools, teaching kids writing. We we would bring up issues and we would deeply study certain concepts about teaching. One of the favorite things I love about Lucy Calkins, she, she is my mentor in every way in this work. She was always wanting to say, okay, we, we think we know the mini lesson, right? We, th- we think we have that down pat. Let's really look at it now. Let's really study it. Let's sit and watch it and say, how can we better this? Mm-hmm. How can we make this better? And so that was both, you know, s- sort of stressful, <laughs> but also just, wow, I mean, it became a model for how to learn as far, mm-hmm. for me, always looking at practice and saying, what, what else can we do? How right. can we make it better? So sitting around that table was really, you know, you want to touch. The table still exists in, in her, the new offices, mm-hmm. and you just want to touch that table. And you feel like it's vibrating with knowledge and, mm-hmm. and content and the people who have sat around it. I mean, mm-hmm. so many people whose names Heinemann book readers would recognize sat around that table and contributed their knowledge and expertise to what we now know as the writing workshop and the reading workshop and all of it. It was very heady work. It's really <laughs> heady. And I loved that. And I agree. I think it became through the years. It's the it's the meta. The table is the metaphor for me for how to learn with other people about this work. You oh, know? I love that. And to always problematize practice and always think about how you can outgrow where you are. Exactly. And it served me well to have had that in my life. So sweet. Same here. Amazing work. I and miss then, the table now, actually. Because, I do, too. You know, I'm on my own in this work and it can yeah. be very lonely and I don't have a table. I love thinking of that as a metaphor. Thank you. I'm going to carry that in my pocket. Yeah. Memories. And then there was too, the other thing that for me, and I really feel like I took away from that experience was the, a way of learning about my own teaching because, you know, we would, so 
we did that on Thursdays. We were around the table. But the other four days of the week, we were out teaching writing in New York City public schools yes. four or five times a day. And not only did you teach, but you had to explain to everyone watching you why you just did what you did. And it makes you incredibly articulate about your practice, doesn't it? Yes. And that, I, I and I still do that to this day. I, I warn people ahead of time, teachers, I say, I'm, go, I'm going to you know, have a conference, but I'm going to talk to you during the mm-hmm. conference because in, in a way kids are, they're there for us to learn from mm-hmm. and with. And so I'm going to exactly, as you said, articulate what I'm thinking and why I'm thinking it as mm-hmm. I do it. And, you know, let me, and I wanted to say this about the Teachers College Reading and Writing Project and Lucy Calkins and all the amazing people who were our colleagues. It was a place where I learned how to learn, how to observe, how to learn, how to talk about what I was thinking and listen to other people talk about what they were thinking and how to, yes, um, articulate the moves that we were making. Mm-hmm. And I just think that is, it's a model of professional development that I think is rare still mm-hmm. and that I, you know, I just haven't seen that much of in other places where you are learning on site mm-hmm. in, in the moment you're learning as you do it. And the teachers, teachers are right there next to us, right, mm-hmm. sitting right next to us and yeah. learning with us. And yeah. it's so, such a beautiful model, so different from, you know, when I was a classroom teacher and, and going to PD workshops mm-hmm. of various kinds where you sit for a day and just listen to someone talk at you, right. just were, you know, not as valuable as this. I, you know, I don't know if you remember, but I had just come from graduate school when I came to work there. I, you know, yes. just finished a, a degree program, but I've always felt like I learned more in those years that I worked at the writing project Absolutely. than any Absolutely. graduate work I ever did. Cause Absolutely. it was just amazing. The other thing that I really value about it, and I wonder if you feel this way too, I feel like Lucy really knew how to believe you into being, Mm. um, it's it's such a good model of teaching, believe you into being more than you thought you could be. Like the first time she asked you to, (laughs) to do, you know, a keynote or something, you go, what? And, um, it really, the way she would position you to outgrow yourself so was true. powerful, wasn't it? It was so true. It was yeah. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and yet she, yes, her her genius for knowing that you could do it. Yeah. Or maybe it's just a belief, but maybe also some kind of knowledge, something she would see inside you yeah. and know you can do this. And yeah. it is a perfect teaching model yeah. and that, that I think both of us have um, then carried on in our, in our work with teachers and kids. Yeah. So we're actually recording this today. We're at Heinemann. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. And, you know, I remember, too, when we were at the writing project. So, you know, we had not written any of our professional books yet. Right. But Lucy is connected to Heinemann at this point, right? Because she's written. Absolutely. You remember, uh, like, Philippa came to the office one time, Philippa Stratton, who was here then. And the idea of sort of someday writing for Heinemann and being part of Heinemann was a dream. dream. And of course, it's been our, for both of us, really our publishing home for such a long time. I am a loyal person. I am loyal when there's something of value to be loyal to, you know, Um, and Heinemann from the very beginning. Well, as I said, the first book I read uh, about the teaching of writing was Lucy's book, The Art of Teaching Writing, published by Heinemann. And because I had been a writer before that point, I knew to look at copyrights. I knew to look at dates. I knew to look at publishers and even the editor's name. You know, I was all over that bibliographical information. And so the word Heinemann just became, and and the address of the building just Mm -hmm. became very, very big in my mythology. 
And I had not ever seen myself as a writer of professional books mm -hmm. before. You know, I had not thought that that was going to be my trajectory at all. And I kind of didn't think I could do it. I didn't, you know, who, who am I to write that? I don't, you know, I don't have that voice. And yet uh, again, to be encouraged by Lucy to move that way. I had so much good information from her and from Shelley Harwain and from various people around the project saying, you know, that workshop that you gave last Saturday, there's a chapter mm -hmm. or that keynote speech that you performed on the stage. That's that's a chapter. You know, I, that was such helpful yeah. mentoring in how to do this work. And so then to have my first book published with Heinemann was, yeah, was a big celebration. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. big, you know, that just made me think of another way that that Lucy, you know, had changed the trajectory of my life is that her her those books were our mentor text, right? Yes. That early work from Heinemann that we were reading became before we even knew to call them mentor text. <laughs> they were our mentor text, you know. The Art of Teaching Writing was not the first book I read. The first book I read was in the middle. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I did read The Art of Teaching Writing thinking, you know, if I could only write like this. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's so, so. beautiful. Both yeah. those books are just so beautifully yeah. written. And yes, we, you know, who knew that books about that telling you how to do something could be so beautiful? And yeah. I said, oh, that's, that's a voice I can relate to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your, um, your Heinemann books. The first book you co-authored with Randy yes, Bomer. <laughs> a gentleman named Randy Bomer. Um, <laughs> who also worked with us at, yes. in those early days. In at the fact, I always joke that I found my career and my husband, I found love at the Teachers College Reading and Writing mm -hmm. Project. Yes, uh, that's a whole other story, a whole other <laughs> podcast for another time. <laughs> Yeah. But yes, Randy and I were partner life partners, and we were actually both working on our PhDs at that point at Teachers mm -hmm. College. So we we had experience of writing together in our classes, in our graduate classes, and we kind of that was our trial by fire. We kind of worked out how we could work together in our graduate classes, working on projects together, and so then we took that process to this book for, for a, better a better world, world which I didn't thank, say the title of. That's sorry, okay. thank <laughs> you. It's called for a better world: reading and writing for social action, and. That was a topic, a content that was part of our lives, that was part of our thinking, our talking together all the time, our who we are together, of course, even now in the world, wanting to make things better for people in the world who, who are not treated fairly. So, And what we believed deeply was that kids, even the youngest, youngest kids, five-year-olds, can have an impulse toward humanity, you know, helping others mm -hmm. and making things fair for all. And so at that time, I was teaching in uh, New York City public school, and I just started doing this work in my classroom and just kind of creating curriculum right, you know, day by day. And that curriculum became the core of the book for how could you do this work and what is critical literacy and what does it look like and sound like and how can you bring that even to a young classroom of fifth graders. So we wrote that book together, and it was my first book with Heinemann. Randy had already written Time for Meaning, mm -hmm. so he had that experience to bring to it. But that was our my first book, and it was together, co-written. Mm -hmm. uh, we divided chapters, and just really was very much a partnership. And we thought through the book together and talked about it constantly, every single day and night, and mm -hmm. then wrote together. So that was the beginning. And then my second book, I was on my own. <laughs> it's interesting, too, how, um, you know, how For for a Better World is, I mean, because when, when did you write that? What What year did that come out? Do you remember? That would have been, well, I know it was published in 2001 because it was, I'll never forget, 
getting the first copy of the book and where I was and what the date was. And I just remember I was with a group of people and I, who were congratulating me. And I said, I just, you know, it's hard to feel congratulatory mm-hmm. right now in the fall of 2001. And yet this book is the only thing I could have imagined feeling, you know, even more strongly about at that yeah. moment. Wow. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I didn't realize that connection. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was a time to try to believe in a better world. Yes, wasn't it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting too how how relevant the book still is today and the work, you know, there's still so much work to do around this topic is really the it's always been relevant, but there's just it's just it, to look around and go, there's still so much work so to do. Much oh work my to gosh. Do. Yes. I mean it's remarkably that I'm I'm proud of we're both proud of that book because it just keeps chugging along. We keep getting a a, another book in the mail from Heinemann saying congratulations on your 15th edition or whatever yeah. and we're just so yeah. you know so thankful again once again to Heinemann so thankful that to believe in that book and to say there's a place for this kind of text in education is just such a brave courageous move for for a company to make and then to continue to print it because there's people out there asking for it it's mm-hmm. just really really lovely after that came your your trilogy. <laughs> That's what I call it, yeah. a trilogy. <laughs> uh, I'll just say the names right quick. The first uh, installment in the trilogy was Writing a Life, which was um, about memoir. And then Hidden Gems, where you just really taught people how to look at children's writing through generous eyes. And then The Journey is Everything was the third part of the trilogy, which was about uh, rethinking essay and the teaching of essay. So, yeah, just talk a little bit about that. And I know you've told me that you kind of thought of that as a trilogy from the very start, right? I did. Maybe not from the very start. but (laughs) but Somewhere along the way it became that. Well, who knew I had three books of you? I did. Um, But once once Writing a Life had been published and I was working on the second one, I knew I wanted, I loved the cover of Writing a Life so much that I loved the look of it. I loved the meaning of it. I loved the symbolism of it. And I said, I just would like my second book to have a similar look and feel to it. And then at that point, the movies, the series Twilight had been published mm-hmm. and, the, and those, those books that were basically branded with a black cover and a red a red symbol, uh, apple or whatever on the cover. And I said, I want it to look like Twilight. Yeah. So that's when I started to get the idea. And then by the third one, I just was adamant. Like it has, okay. this is a trilogy and it also has to have the same cover as my first two books yeah. <laughs> with a symbol on yeah. it. So, and they do look really, if you put the three of them Side by side, they look so lovely together. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I was a little bit controlling about the covers, and I, mean, I maybe shouldn't have been, or even had a right to be. But I, I just felt strongly I wanted I wanted a cover that would be as beautiful as the topics that I was writing about. Mm-hmm. And I do feel um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of memoir, both reading it and ha- and writing it, and having kids write it. I'm huge fan, huge fan of essay, and of course, hidden gems. Looking at what kids can do beautifully and brilliantly already and their writing is just the core of me so I wanted the books to be lovely looking as well as being about beautiful things in the world yeah lovely ideas and it seems to me that you know a person especially if you were getting started in this work you could read across you could read those three books across those three books and walk away with this really just deep understanding of the privilege that it is to work with children you know, oh. children who are learning because you you really take that stance in everything you do that this work is a privilege and we're honored to be able to do it. So thank you very much. It's a beautiful thing to say. Well, that, that is how I feel. So yeah, <laughs> thank you for naming through. it. It comes through. Thank you. The people who have read those books 
have said, you know, I worry sometimes that they are books that are, that go pretty deeply into all three topics. But the, the people who have read them and, and given me feedback have said that they appreciated that. They saw them as um, reading experiences that are maybe different from just looking for something to do tomorrow morning, you know, <laughs> which I know because I was a classroom teacher. Also, I know what that, fe- I completely understand needing to find something, especially when I taught math, um, <laughs> would help. I need help right this minute and I need to know what it looks and sounds like right this minute. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm completely understanding of that and I hope to create content that will help teachers with those kinds of questions. But these three books are, they're, people would say to me, you know, I took it to the lake in, in July and I had a week to just sit and read and I couldn't put it down. When someone says to you, when you're a writer and someone says to you that they couldn't put your book down and meanwhile that book, it's not a um, murder mystery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a book about teaching essay and they say I couldn't put it down. That is like the highest compliment yeah. a person yeah. could receive as a writer, right? Yeah. And so I've loved that kind of feedback from people the memoir book in particular, and also the essay book, people have said that they bought those books for their grandmother, for their mother, Mm. um, you know, because I want my grandmother to write her memoir and your book would teach her how to do that. And again, I thought I was writing a teaching book for teachers, right? Mm -hmm. But people have shared them because there's so much about the actual content of literature and how to make a memoir, no matter if you're five years old or if you're 95 Mm -hmm. years old. So I've really appreciated that feedback from people and to know that that's the role that those books have played in the world is very meaningful to me. And I guess I should say too, you know, it's been a delight. I don't know how many people know this because not everyone reads the actual inside cover of a book, but it's been really lovely that I've gotten to be able to work with you on one in the trilogy, uh, <laughs> The Journey is Everything, as your editor. And then now we're actually collaborating again on a new book. And it's just, it's just been a lot of fun to, uh, to sit alongside your process and it challenges me as an editor because you're so amazing at at feedback and response to writers. And so to, uh, you know, to be in this role with you has been challenging, but in all good ways. And, you know, the there's always that pressure too in the editing world that's a little different in the in the classroom, you know, because you in a classroom you can give a project as much slow to grow as it needs. And <laughs> we don't have people going, okay, when are you going to turn it in? But <laughs> it's just been so fun to get to know you in this different way after all these years that it's, we didn't. So, Well, it's remarkable, <laughs> Katie. So thank you for, for mentioning that because I've just been dying to talk about it. I was reminding you this morning, I think it was, that you have a, you had a little blurb on the back of my first writing a life that at that time, you know, to have Katie Wood Ray, who's you know, the stellar superstar in the literacy education world, write this beautiful little like, one sentence blurb that just captured the entire book. I was so honored by that blurb, so grateful to you. And then that kind of you know, then when I found out that you were going to be an editor and that indeed you were going to be my editor, <laughs> I was just blown away by that. I was so thrilled to think about that and so very nervous because to have someone with your expertise in writing and in literacy, looking now at my at my book, you know, we have worked out a relationship that is so, I find it so collaborative and beautiful and especially working on this new project together. We're just like learning together side by mm-hmm. side. And so what you do so well as, a, as an editor is, just what you did in that one little blurb on the back of my first book is just you get it like you get what I'm trying to do and you say it back in this beautiful succinct way so it's just I'm very lucky 
correct. <laughs> well, and succinct way is, is interesting because so we're collaborating now on a book in the classroom essential series, which the great challenge of this work is really getting to the essence of, of a topic and what is really essential, trying to write in a much tighter space. And so, you know, I, I've spoken to you about this before. I, I wrote one of these books myself to see what that kind of challenge was like. And I think it's made me a better writer to realize how to get to the heart of things. And I don't know, can you just talk about, I mean, because it's such a different kind of book than your other books to be doing one of these. Can you talk a little bit about what you've learned from that process too? Yes. And I'll try to be succinct. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Can you get to the heart of what you've learned from trying to write a much shorter book? It's um, So it is pretty much the polar opposite of my usual writing style. And so this new book I am actually co-authoring for, again, for the second time in my life with a brilliant, amazing young author named Corinne Ahrens. And she is a person that I work with in my professional development. And I asked her out of all the people that I know in the world and have worked with as a professional developer, she was the one that I said, I would love to work with her and collaborate with her on this book. I needed her beautiful eye and her sensibility and her thinking about how to bring this topic to teachers in a way that that I haven't before, you know, in that succinct way in, you know, what do teachers need? What do teachers want? What are their questions? How do they, you know, what, what's going to be most helpful? Because taking a topic like the writing workshop and what's necessary for children to learn how to write is something I could talk about forever, you know, the 20 million words, but how to make it into a book that is quite visual and that in saying things in few words is a struggle, was a struggle, continues to be a struggle. So Thank you for saying that my voice is still in there because that was certainly a worry for me. I'm a poet and essayist by training and by my soul <laughs> and the way I think and the way I see the world. And so the way I, my normal way to write is to instantly start having divergent thinking, right? To say a sentence and then say, but on the other hand, or so-and-so says about that, that is my style of thinking and being in the world. And that is something that you have helped me carve away, <laughs> but in a good way, keeping the essential idea without going on many, many journeys, pathways into other topics that don't have to do with this topic. Mm -hmm. And so that has been just so helpful for me and um, and kind of a, yeah, I, I, as you said, I'm, I'm going to write differently now because of it. And I do think it is a way that we write in the world now, much more visually oriented and to teachers, I argue often, if we are not doing more with kids with graphic images and learning how to think visually, we're doing a big disservice because this is just the way the world is going because of the internet. Mm -hmm. So struggling, but happy to be part of learning how to write with visual thinking in mind. So I'm curious, Catherine, about like, did you ever have to fight any critic inside your head that might have said, you write a professional book because I, you know, I, I actually have this little intro in Wondrous Words that says, um, that talks about that struggle that I had to, you know, oh, I don't know if I can write a book. I mean, did you, did you ever go through any of that? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still struggling with that voice. I mean, I think, so the first thing I would say is absolutely yes. And the first thing I would say is I think all writers, no matter how famous they are, no matter who they are, no matter what kind of writing they do in the world, have that voice. That is just, to me, as far as I'm concerned, just part of the deal. Over time, I've come to appreciate that voice because that's what keeps my writing a quality that I like, you know, the quality that I appreciate. So to learn to love that inner critic is really an important part of the process of learning to be a writer. 
But yes, of course, when I first was my first professional book to think to, to have all the, the books from Heinemann in, on my bookshelf and to have read them and appreciated them, you know, Ralph Fletcher, and I'm just looking at you and yours, Katie, and Georgia Hur. I'm just looking at these book covers, Ellen Keen. I mean, these are people who are just, you know, stars, rock stars in my mind. And to, so to think that my voice could join those, especially since I wasn't, you know, an educator all my life, I had been, lived a different sort of different life trajectory. I just thought, how, who am I to write and put my voice in the world for teachers. And again, I, I guess I will, first of all, go back to Lucy saying, there are things that you know that the teachers you're working with may not know. So live what you know, um, speak from your heart with what you know, and that's going to carry you through this. That's what's going to be what, what people need to hear. And so I guess it's a similar thing. In my writing of professional books, I'm writing what I know mm -hmm. and what I believe. And so that core central belief that this is important. I've seen it work with kids, and I want desperately for children to have the opportunity to write the way I'm talking about writing. And that's just like a, a mission, you know, that's a, a vision and a mission that I have that I can't let go. And so if I just, if all beginning writers would just say, you know, what do I believe in? What do I love? What do I know? And think about that and then let that be like a torch, carrying a mm -hmm. torch, mm -hmm. you know, because the rest of it is just about revision. <laughs> the rest of it is just making a draft and revising and having a great editor and, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of help. Those books go through a big process before they're, they're sitting on your bookshelf. Mm -hmm. There's like a village of people helping. Mm -hmm. So trust that, that there will be a lot of help and, and feedback and insight. But go with, you know, what, what is it you believe? I even put little, you know, sticky notes above my computer often about just to remind myself of what is what am I trying to say? What is what is my core? What is the heart of this book? You know, and that's what really kept carries me through. Our thanks to Catherine Bomer and Katie Woodray for their time today. Catherine's book, A Teacher's Guide to Time, Choice, and Response, will be available spring 2020. You can learn more about her work by following her on Twitter at Catherine Bomer, all one word, and learn more about the Classroom Essentials series at Heineman.com. Check out blogs and sample chapters and more at blog.heineman.com. As always, thanks for listening.